0: Alright, alright, alright. This is our last regular service of the year. How many of you glad you came to church today? You're glad that you came to church tonight? I'm glad that you're here. A few things I want to let you know of. Just this week, Lindsay and I celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary. I'm so excited to be married to the love of my life. Yes. She's been telling me all week long. Uh, she, we, even, we even had a moment last night where she was just kind of sad that she was like, It's just not going to be us anymore. But we get to see Lucy in January. The, the, she's the overflow of our love for one another. And I'm so thankful that one day you all get to meet Lucy. Now, I promise you this this is my promise. Y'all ready? Y'all listening? All of you won't be able to hold her immediately, but we promise you'll be able to see her once she gets here and uh, as she grows. We're so excited for y'all to meet her. Another thing I want to remind you of is that today, literally today, somebody say today, is our three-year anniversary from be- for being at Dothan First. Can y'all believe that? It's been three years. Man, this is great. I love you guys. I was talking to Peyton and them about this, uh, his parents, uh, just this weekend, and y'all hadn't got rid of us yet. So I'm so thankful to be here because we love you guys. We love what we get to do, and it doesn't feel like we've been here for three years. It actually feels like we're just getting started. So uh, for those of you that this is your first Wednesday with us, or maybe you haven't been coming for a while and you're just getting used to what we're doing, I just want, I want you to know we're just getting started. So that's great. And um, yeah, are y'all ready for the word? Are y'all ready for the word? I need y'all, like, I need end-of-year energy. Like, this is the last regular service of the year. So all the times that you've been silent in church, I'm giving you permission tonight that you can talk back to me, not to your neighbor. Like, you can look at them, Pavlak's brothers, and you can look at your brother and be like, this was for you. Like, <laughs> however you want to say it. But are y'all ready for the word? Will you st- that, that's what I'm talking about. Can you stand for the reading of God's word? Stand for the reading of God's word. Going to read quite a bit of scripture, starting in Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3. If you brought your Bible with you, this is the second book in the Bible. Uh, for those of you that didn't bring a Bible, it's up on the screen. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, it says this. One day Moses was tending the flock, tending to the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared at it in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself, called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested, protested to God Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out? Of Egypt. For the next few moments, I want to continually ask you a set of questions, but the question I want to ask you tonight, the most important question that I'm going to ask you, the question that I believe that I hope that you'll get a chance to answer is, who am I? Who am I? Look at your neighbor, probably the last time. Look at him real good. Just stare at him awkwardly and then ask, who am I? Who am I? Let's pray. Father, help us to know who we are. Help us to believe this truth. That we, wor- that we sang during worship, I am who you say I am. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. In the verses we just read, Moses was asking God some questions. Moses was asking God some pretty good questions. These were some important questions. And like I said before a few weeks ago, all of us have them. All of us ask them Questions are natural. They're normal. And if God did not allow us to ask questions, we would never arrive at the answer, Jesus. God answered our questions with Jesus. Jesus is the answer. If you're ever in math class and you don't know the answer to your math question, just write Jesus. You'll probably fail, but that's the answer. If you're ever in biology and they ask you what the name of this bone is, just say Jesus. That's not right, but he is the answer for life. Somebody say Jesus it's important that we understand this because he is everything we need and he is everything we are not. For every need in our life, God has given us a name. For every question in our life, God has given us an answer. He has given us Jesus. God gave us one name that we can call on that will encompass every need we have. Why is this important? Because when we get to the New Testament, God gives us one name. He gives us one answer. He gives us one person to call on where you and I can just say Jesus. It's an important name because when I need resurrection, I just say Jesus. When I need healing, I just say Jesus. When I need breakthrough, I just say Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is saying, I am your strength. I am your power. I am your identity. I am your ability. I am healing. I am victory. I am joy. I am peace, hope. I'm king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. This is what Jesus is saying to us. He says, I am. So for my note takers in the room, which I hope all of you are taking notes, I want you to write down point number one. It's really good. You really should write this down. I am is the answer to every question. I am is the answer to every question. Pastor Will, that sounds a little confusing. What do you mean? I am is the answer to every question. How so? Because that's the answer God told Moses. Exodus chapter 3 verse 13 Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and they say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And then they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said this to Moses, I am who I am. This is, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I can imagine if you will. I don't know if you read your Bible as much as I do. Hopefully you do. I would encourage you to read it more than I do. In fact, I would encourage you to read this story so that you can fact check me. But here's what's interesting. Moses is talking to God in a bush, in a bush, in a bush. That's crazy. He's having this conversation with God and they're chit-chatting. And then God says to Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh, tell my people what I just told you. And I can imagine Moses is writing things down and Moses is like, okay, I got it. What is your name? And God says, I am. And Moses is like, mm-hmm. What's the rest? I am, you know, I am, you're, you are what? Like, what, what's the end of the sentence? And then God responds back, I am. Moses, again, goes to, he's like, that, that, that's it? What does that mean? And what I want to tell you is that phrase, I am who I am, means this. God is who he is. God is who he is. He will be who he will be. That's how good our God is. And what does that mean? I'm going to explain, but God is saying, I am everything and I am whatever you need all at the same time. I am everything and whatever you need all at the same time. I've thought about this and I've wondered why he never added anything else to this statement. I've often wondered why he didn't add anything else to the sentence, I am. I felt like God was being so vague and leaving out all the the wonderfully important details and awe-inspiring adjectives that he could have used to enhance his own resume, yet he chose not to. You know, like some of you, when you try to tell people who you are, you add things to your identity that really have nothing to do with you. Like some of y'all be like, I'm on the basketball team when you the water boy, you know, y'all just be saying stuff like, man, I got good grades. When you got a C in some of your classes, you know the things that y'all do? I was curious why he didn't add To this statement. It was two powerfully simplistic yet small words. One phrase actually says more about God than any amount of words we could ever put together. I am says it all. I have come to realize you simply cannot list everything that God is. I don't know if you heard me earlier. I tried to go through a list really quickly. I just simply don't have enough time. There there isn't enough time in the world to tell you everything that God is. Because whatever follows the words I am reveals who God is, but it's not all that he is. Did you catch that? I am tells us, it reveals to us who God is, but it can't sum up all that he is. And if God would have said anything after I am, he would have been limited to whatever he said about himself. For example, if God said, I'm a healer, that's all he could ever do in your life. If God said, I'm a deliverer, that's all he could ever do in your life. But I'm so glad he said, I am. I am wasn't an open-ended response. I am was a complete statement. Why is this important? Because God is everything to everyone, everywhere, all the time. In Jesus' is the I am Jesus fills in the blank of I am Jesus completes the I am sentence Jesus in the New Testament is the full expression of God saying I am in the Old Testament that's why point number one is I am is the answer to every question number two when we don't know why we can trust we can still trust who when we don't know why we can still trust who pastor will what do you mean I may never know why things happen in my life. I may never know why things happen in your life, but I trust who? I trust the one who does know. I trust him. I trust the one who says, I am, because he is the answer. God's answer to every question in my life is, I am. And if you remember, for every why in your life, God responds with, I am. He responded with, he is. Why is this important? Because we've already asked the question, why? If you hadn't heard that message, I would encourage you to go go back and listen to it to answer the question. Why you you just you know, that's one of the most common questions ever asked. And I promise you this, if you don't get an answer, you will find the answer. I just encourage you to go back. But but this next question, this question tonight, the question I want to ask you right now, the question I want to ask you today is, who am I? Now, unless uh, some of you, you've hit your head, you've developed some sense of amnesia, you maybe lost your ID or your driver's license, this isn't a question you would normally ask yourself. But Moses asked this question, Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? He asks the same question twice But God answers him once. God answered him. And some of you, you might want to jump ahead and think, I already answered that question. You would be surprised how God answers the question. Verse 12, God answered him, I will be with you. That's a strange response. Moses is talking to our father. He's talking to God in heaven. He says, who am I to go talk to Pharaoh? Do you know who I am? Who am I to go lead these people, millions of people, out of Egypt? Who am I? And God says, I will be with you. That's not the type of answer we want to hear. And once again, we see God answering our questions, but not the way we want him to. Isn't that just like God, when you pray, when you ask him something, when you read your Bible, he gives you an answer that isn't the answer that you really want. God, how do you feel about this particular sin in my life? God, how do you feel about my judgment of other people when I see the things that they do and I don't want them to do it? He always answers our questions in a way that we don't want him to answer. God doesn't say you're Moses. He doesn't look at him from the bush. It says he appeared in a fire in the middle of the fire. And he doesn't look at him. It was like, you are, you is kind. You is smart. You is important. He doesn't say any of those things to Moses. He's looking at Moses and he says, I will be with you. Why does he say this? Because Moses still has one more question. Moses is like, okay, that's great. That's great. But who is you? I get it. You know, you you are who you are, but, but who is you? For some of you, like, it doesn't say that in the Bible. It doesn't. That's the wheel version. Who are you? Exodus 3, verse 13. Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, They will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Moses is afraid, but God is trying to say to Moses, that's good, Moses. Now you're asking the right question, but it's still about the wrong person. Moses, you finally figured it out. You're asking the right question, but you're still asking about the wrong person. Pastor Will, what do I mean? Moses is asking, who am I? Why me? Why do you want me to go? And God is trying to tell him who he is. Pastor Will, what are you saying? God is saying the real question you should be asking is, who am I? Point number three will explain. When you ask, who am I? God answers, I am. When you ask God, who am I? God answers, I am. Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. Why is this important? Because we don't ask, oftentimes ask ourselves, Who am I? Because there's a version of that question that we do ask. But it's not, Who am I? It's the question Moses asked that I want to show you. It's, Am I enough? He wasn't asking, Who am I? He was really saying, Am I enough? Have you ever asked yourself the question, Have you ever asked God, Am I enough? I think there are some of you in the room that are thinking that right now. Pastor Will, Am I enough? I feel inadequate. I feel insufficient. I don't feel like I measure up. Am I enough? And this is not even a question of ability. This is a question of insecurity. Because if there's one word that has labeled a whole generation of young people, it's this word insecurity. Let me let you in on a little secret, though. It's an important secret. You ready for the secret? It's really good. Like, are you ready for the secret? I promise you, it's really, really good. You really ready? Is this already? Yeah, y'all ready. Is this already? We all have insecurities. All of us have insecurities. For some of us, it's our weight. For others of you, it's your height. For some of you, it's your accent. For others of you, it's your acne. For some of you, it's your education. For others of you, it's your experience. For some of you, it's your gender. For others of you, it's your race. For some of you, it's your age. Whatever it is, we all have insecurities. It's sad, but it's true. For Moses, it was his speaking. And when God calls him, he tells him him what he wants Moses to do, and he points to what he can't do well. God says, Moses, go to the Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. Moses says, I hear you, but let me tell you why I can't go. Let me show you. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And what happens to Moses is what happens to us. He devalues himself because of his inability. And then it becomes his insecurity, and then it almost becomes his identity. It's the same thing that happens to us. This reveals to me that oftentimes we allow our insecurities to become our excuses. We use our insecurities as excuses to opt out of the thing that God is asking us to do. God, I can't do it. I'm too young, I'm too small. I'm not smart enough. I got a stutter. I look weird. I look different. I, I, I I can't go talk to people. I can't say. I can't do the thing that you're telling me to do. And you use your insecurity as an excuse to opt out of what he asked of you. Why? Because it's easier to not try than it is to try and fail. And technically, we don't fail if we don't try. But watch this. But then what happens is we let our excuses transform into exaggerations. We do this. We think to ourselves, if I draw attention to my imperfections first, then other people won't notice them. So when you meet people, you immediately go around and you tell them what you think is wrong with you. You openly admit to a thing to to define who you are. So you think if you bring it up, they won't notice it. They won't pick at it. They won't point a finger at it. Please hear me. No one notices your imperfections more than you. No one. And it's dangerous when you let your imperfections become your insecurities because they can keep you out of what God is calling you into. And now who you are doesn't matter to you as much as how you see yourself. Some of you, the mirror is the most dangerous place in the world because you don't like what you look like. But I thank God that when I ask, who am I? He answers I am. Point number four. If you don't see yourself for who you are, you will never fully step into who you will be. If you don't see yourself for who you are, you will never fully step into who you will be. Moses incorrectly viewed himself. He viewed himself as a nothing, he viewed himself as insignificant. Listen, be careful how you view you. Be careful. Your point of view about you matters. Your vantage point matters. Your perspective matters. And it's sad that people don't look deeper into who they are. In fact, it's sad that you are better at studying everybody else than you are at reviewing yourself. Some of you have a master's degree in going through everybody else's life. And you're in kindergarten in your own. And it's sad because you're really good. You could come up to me and you could tell me about everybody else in your life, in your friend group, at your school. But if I asked you who you are, you can't tell me anything about yourself. Dangerous, sad, scary. But I want to ask you, who am I? I want to ask you, who are you? Who am I? Who are you? This is the most important question you could ask. This question is more important than what you're going to do with your life. When next time somebody asks you, what are you going to do with your life? You'd be like, I don't know yet. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. This is the most important question. Why is that? Pastor Will, it's so important because the area of identity is the area that the enemy often attacks in an attempt to undermine God's intended plan for your life. This is what this is his prime, it's his breeding ground for destruction. It's so important because the enemy fights us to get us to lose a sense of self. Don't you think it's interesting that our world is so confused about identity that they want to change who they are? Who are you? Satan's greatest temptation is for us to find identity in something else other than God. Who are you? Who am I? Pastor Will, what is identity? Identity is who we actually are, not who we pretend to be. Identity is who you are, not who you post to be. It's who you really are when no one else is looking. It's who you are when the lights are off and the door is closed. It's who you are in the DMs. It's who you are in your text messages. It's who you are when no one's looking. I ask you again tonight, students, who am I? Who are you? Identity is about how God sees you, about how he thinks about you, not how we see and think about ourselves. This is the most important question you could ever ask. And when you recognized who shaped you, when you recognized who formed you, when you recognize, when you accept who designed you, whose image and whose likeness you are made in, point number five, you stop asking, who am I? And you start answering, do you know who I am? When you get to this place of identity and security and you're not bound by insecurities anymore, you stop asking, who am I? And you start saying, do you know who I am? One of my favorite things to say to people when they seem to get confused about who I am in Christ, I literally say to myself, not to them, because these can be perceived as fighting words. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I belong to? Do you know who my father is? I stop asking, who am I? And I start saying, do you know who I am? Because I know who I am. And I will not let your opinions about me, your thoughts about me, determine who I am. I will not let someone who didn't design me define who I am. Do you know who I am? Only then do we stop asking the wrong question. Because it's not, what, it's not what can I do? It's, it's, what can God do? It's this question. It's this mindset. What can God do through you when you know who you are? And now when you ask God, am I enough? God answers the question, I am. God, I know you're enough. I'm asking you, am I enough? And he says, I am. God, I, I get it. Lord, I understand you're enough, but am I enough? God says, I am. My favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is that my, his strength is made perfect in my weakness God am I enough I am I get God am I enough and now when you ask God this question you start to believe what he says about you you begin to declare what we sang in worship I am who God says I am that's not just a song we sing that's faith that we live by I am who you say I am I am special. I am beautiful. I am necessary. I am needed. I am enough. I'm tired of seeing young people bound by insecurity that they can't say something positive about who they are. You get to influence my daughter. I don't want her being helped to be raised by people who don't know who they are. You are enough. You are loved. When we ask the question, who am I? It's usually followed up with another question. When you ask the question, who am I? It's followed up with another question. You want to know what the question is? It's this. Where do I belong? God, where do I belong? When you told me who I am, I realized I didn't fit in anymore. So where do I belong? Because I know who I am. I see what you're telling me to do. but, But where do I belong now? You heard me say this before, but growing up as a kid, I was never white enough for the white people in my family, and I was never black enough for the black people in my family. And then I started to get this sense of identity. I was like, God, where do I belong? And I had a hard time trying to find my people, trying to find, find where I fit in, trying to find where I belonged. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I realized I didn't fit in in the club anymore. But when I came to church, I felt like I didn't fit in there either. I know some of you get what I'm saying because you're in the room now. You're like, I don't fit in. I feel out of place. I feel like I can't stay here. Like people just don't get me. They don't get my struggle. They don't really know what's going on. Where do I belong? I didn't fit in around sinners and I didn't fit in around the saints. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like you're on the cusp of being saved. You know, a little bit of Bible, but not as much Bible as the other person. And then you get into small groups and you're afraid to talk because you're like, I don't know as much scripture as they do. I haven't been coming to church as long as they have. You, they sit in the student section every week. I, I barely wake up on time. Like you start to feel these insecurities. I had enough Jesus in me and I wanted to be at church, but I still had lo- enough hood in me that I wanted to be at the club. My friend, one of my friends in ministry, he used to say this about me. He was like, Will has some uncrucified hood tendencies. He used to say it, he still says it to this day. I was trying to find where I belonged and there was a conflict of identity, but I want to say this to you. I want to say this prophetically over you. Stop trying to find your people and begin looking for God's presence. Stop trying to find where you fit in and start looking for God's presence pastor will easier said than done because at my school it ain't nothing there but hell like it's a lot of them and demons and teachers and I don't know where they go but you know it's a lot of them pastor will where do I go because at the lunchroom table on the school bus on the basketball team wherever I am it doesn't seem like I can find God's presence so where do I go pastor will I don't feel like I belong well you won't know where you belong if you never come to the place where he is this isn't, not, this isn't me trying to manipulate or talk you into coming to church. This is me telling you why you need to go to church. Why you should be here on Sundays. Why you should be here on Wednesdays. Because you go out in a world that wants you to be distracted and belong somewhere you don't fit in. Be committed to this thing long enough that you find your place. It took me a while. I used to go to church just like you and I would come sit on the front row and by myself at times none of my friends came with me I used to ask myself why am I here and then I remember the people at the church were asking me what are you doing here but I came to church because I was there for Jesus not for them and I kept going long enough until they started asking me when I missed the Sunday Will where were you we missed you in God's presence I started finding my people In God's presence is where I found my wife. In God's presence is where I find joy in doing the very thing I do. It's in God's presence where we become family. You find your people in God's house. Point number six, when you ask God, where do I belong? He answers, I am where you belong. That's so good. When you ask God, where do I belong? He answers, I am where you belong. I am where you belong. Where he is, that's your home. His See, heaven is your home. Church is preparation for that world. Church gets us ready to be with him. That's why worship's important. I tell my people all the time, literally tell them this all the time. I got a few opportunities coming up. God has graciously allowed me to do what I do here on a Wednesday night all over the world now. It's, it's really, it's kind of crazy. But I, I love what I get to do. And I tell people this all the time, wherever I am, you can come with me. Now, this is not to pick at James, but this is, this is an even spontaneous moment. My boy James had never been to Columbus, Georgia. Two hours down the road. But because I've been, he can go with me. Peyton, as far as I know, had never been to Mississippi. He gives $20,000 of Speed the Light. He didn't physically go there, but his video did, and he impacted a whole state of young people. Where I go, my people go with me. Any room that I'm welcome in, listen to me, young people. Y'all don't understand the weight of this yet. You will one day. Your name is in rooms you're not in yet. But wherever, wherever I am, you belong. Knowing Jesus is the beginning of knowing who you are. We can never answer who we are. Only God can. And apart from God, it is impossible to get a clear picture of who we are because our identity is so intricately and intimately and inseparably tied to who he is. You cannot find identity outside of God. You can try. I promise you, you won't find it. So yes, before we ask God who we are, we must acknowledge who we belong to. We must find out where we belong. You have heard me say it before. You've heard me say it often. And I'm going to say it right now. You cannot know who you are until you accept whose you are. they're, They're connected. And the hardest question for most people to answer is the question I've been asking you all night. Who am I? It's because security is directly tied to identity. So you can't answer the question of who you are without also answering whose you are. I'm a firm believer that our faith isn't just about God discovery, it's about self-discovery. That the more you learn about our God, the more you learn about you. He's that good. You read your Bible and it reads you. You study Jesus, and he's studying you. The more you learn about God, the more he reveals about you. And when you have this mindset, guess what? I still ask God questions. When I found out where I belonged, I still had questions. I still got questions. Pastor Will, what kind of questions? You know what I still ask God? Do, you, do y'all really want to know what I still ask God? You want to know what I still ask myself? I still ask myself, who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you still think about me? Who am I that you love me? Who am I that you answer when I pray? Who am I that you answer when I call? Who am I that you think about me? Who am I that you would send your son to die so that I could... so that I could become your son. Who am I that you bless me? Who am I that you would be my strength? God, who am I to you that you love me the way you do? I still ask. See, when I know who I am, I know who I'm not. I want to speak over you. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are not a coincidence. You are not a circumstance. You are not a product of your history. You are not the result of your heritage. You are not a problem. You are not what your daddy did, and you are not what your mama said. You are the answer that God thought of that was needed for such a time as this. You are not a good idea. You are a God idea. You are an answer to prayer. You are created by God, called by God, for God. You are God's child. You are who he says you are. Pastor Will, why is this important? Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but that it was not burning up. This is strange, he thought. I don't know about you, but I would too. If I go outside and some of our bushes on our property were on fire and they weren't burning up, this is strange. Why isn't this bush burning up? I will go closer and see. Sometimes God will do things to get your attention, but it's not what he does as much as it's how you respond to it. And just like Moses, for everything in my life that seems, seems strange, I got questions. I got questions. I'm walking and then there's a bush and it's on fire and it's not burning up. That's weird. I got questions. What's going on here? everything that you have questions about listen let your questions draw you closer to God not further away from him questions can push you away or they can pull you in we can either pursue answers or settle for ignorance we got too many young people who are ignorant pastor will what does that mean that means you lack information you lack knowledge Exodus 3 verse 4, when the Lord saw that Moses was coming closer, he called to him from the middle of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses, and he answered, here I am. God may be calling you, and you are running from him, and it may seem strange, but because it wasn't the same way that he called somebody else. Please hear me, God will not enforce an identity on you that you will not embrace. God will not impose an identity on you that you will not receive. He will not force who he calls you to be on your life. You got to receive it. He wants you to come to him and not so that you'll ask, who am I? But so that you'll come and he'll show you and he'll tell you who he is so he can declare to you, so that He can speak to you, so that He can speak to a generation. I am who I am. I want to pray for you. Father, I have questions. Father, we have questions. We got a lot of questions. We want to know who we are. I want to know who I am. But tonight, we choose to believe we are who you say we are.